So those days of like 3000 extras are gone. Yeah. They've been gone for a long time, you know, and then there was some, there was a moment in time when they were trying to do like blow up dolls with like clothes on and But it was so bad. It was so bad, you know, because like the wind would blow and they would all just sort of, you know, it it was like a really unnatural thing. Welcome to There to Hear, an educational podcast where industry professionals talk nuts and bolts and how they got from there to here. On today's show, Executive VP of Central Casting, Jennifer Bender, takes us inside casting background and answers listener questions on how things will actually stay the same in the changing landscape of the industry. As this is a new podcast, we're really wanting feedback, so go to media.collabinc.org, fill out the feedback survey, and you'll be entered to win a $25 Amazon gift card. From Collab Inc., I'm Tanya Musgrave, and today I have Jennifer Bender, Executive Vice President of Central Casting, the leading background actor casting company in the United States, specializing in casting extras, body doubles, and stand-ins for film and television across the country. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, so happy to be here. So I'm super excited to have someone from casting from like, well, just the casting world from here, because you hear about the journeys of going to L.A. and becoming an actor, uh, becoming the celebrity. But you don't hear about the steady paying jobs with benefits (laughs) that are the shoulders that these people stand on, really. Um, So I'm very interested in hearing how you got into this. Um, How did you get from there to here? Like most people in the entertainment industry, it's a weird sort of winding road how you get there. So I came to LA and I initially worked in the music industry and I was more designing stages for rock and roll shows and going on tours and all of that. So that was, that was my early twenties and it was amazing and fun. Sounds like a blast, but it it was a blast, but it's not sustainable. Right. 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 (laughs) I ended doing that and I was in Los Angeles and some friends of mine were shooting an independent film and they're like, Hey, do you want to be our casting director? And I was like, sure. What, what's that? And, you know, they sort of broke it down. I'm like, that seems easy. All right, I'll do that. So I did, you know, their project and I loved it. I love the whole process. I love filmmaking and, and, and all of that. So I sort of learned a little bit more, took initiative to do a little more research. And I did a bunch of work independently for commercials, independent projects, smaller projects as a principal casting director. So I did a a lot of that work for a few years. And then at one point I was like, you know, I really want to deal with the big studios and the big budget and the network television because it seemed a a little further away that I was so curious about it. You know, I was in the casting world and I couldn't figure out how, like how to navigate that. And then Central Casting, which is the company that I work at now, was hiring. And it's for background actors, but I thought, okay, there's a lot of translation there, but Central Casting works with all of the studios and Mm. all of um, all of the networks and and the big, big names. Mm. So I applied and they, and they hired me, which was great. And I thought, I'll just do this for a couple of years. And, uh, and I loved it. I actually loved it way more than the principal side, which is interesting because most people think the opposite, but I really, I really loved doing the background actors and the collaboration with production and the creative process Mm. all the way throughout filming. So that really spoke to me. And I got to meet like everybody. Yeah. 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 Everybody needs you. Yeah. So super cool. So that was sort of my journey landing in LA and getting where I, the company that I'm at now. 
Yeah, yeah. So like what parts of your personality were drawn to this job? Like my guess is that you enjoy being a connector. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So I'm I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole quarantine life is not, I realized, <laughs> is definitely not for me because I like having people around me. I like mm-hmm. meeting people. I'm a people watcher. I really love that and, and connecting and meeting new interesting people. So, so that's a big piece of it. And I'm very observant about people and the intricacies of how they look and how they move and how they speak and how they interact. And just sort of translating that onto camera was, it was really fun for me. Yeah. So that's what really spoke to me. I do have a quick question on getting to the position that you got whether or not the fact that you were a woman, did that stand in your way at all? That's a good, that's a good question. And and there's so much around, you know, like the Me Too movement and all of that sort of has been exposed from that. Being a woman in this industry can be quite challenging. I would say women, you do have to work harder. You do have to prove yourself more. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a reality that still is yeah. today. Don't compare yourself to your male counterpart because mm-hmm. and you're going to say they're putting in less effort and getting more recognition. Yeah, that's kind of how it has, still happens, unfortunately. It's changing. Mm-hmm. It's improving. People are getting better. I didn't allow it to, to hold me back. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just stayed focused and, and did the best work possible. But as a female, you will have to work harder. You just will. Yeah. And that's okay. You're going to be better anyway. <laughs> You're going to end up being better than them. So just go for it. Be the best you can be. <laughs> that's awesome. One part of Collab really likes to focus on the business and entrepreneurial side of things. And you being exec VP, how much of your job is creative or business oriented, like having to deal with finances and negotiation? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll take you a little bit on the journey through the company. So I started as a casting director, right? And I did that for many years. And then at one point I transitioned into a leadership role, which is hiring and motivating and training and teaching you know, the other casting directors in our industry, and then now into an executive, more administrative role. So I would say in the journey, the casting piece is super creative because you're, you're collaborating. And I loved that, you know, and when you move into like a leadership or teaching, you're still being very creative because you're still teaching that. And more in an administrative role, your creativity is just different. Perfect example is we are in a world today where we have to figure out how to go back to work safely, right? You need creative skills to figure that out, how to do things differently, how to think outside the box. This is uncharted territory for everybody. So all of those skills of sort of thinking creatively from a traditional creative standpoint, you apply Mm -hmm. that here because you're trying to think differently. You're trying to Mm -hmm. think in a non-traditional way. And that's really serving, I think, everybody in our industry because you have to just really apply those what traditionally were creative in just painting a picture to solving, problem solving. Interesting. And I know that you touched on this just before, but I mean, that you're going through this very, very unprecedented time with this company. I'm assuming life looks a lot different for the company these days. Like everything screeched to a halt. 
has the company been able to do something in the meantime, like prep for something, or they have they just completely shut down the wheelhouse? That's a good question. At the time of us talking right now, we're about three months in. I think early on was we spent a lot of time just sort of transitioning. We're a big company. We do a lot of shows and we have a large group of background actors that work for us. So that whole transition, though, it was abrupt on the surface. There's a lot of rolling off of that. So we spent quite a bit of time rolling off of shows and, and just rolling down the business. And then in the meantime, we've really focused a lot on skilling up people and focusing on different types of training technology aspects that we're building out to sort of serve what will be coming up. Working on that is where we're putting a lot of focus now. So we'll see what happens and how long this goes, but we've, we've kept ourselves quite busy and we've kept everyone employed. Oh, nice. And, and we're fortunate. We're a big company and there was a lot of, you know, all that work that a big company needs to do and you never have time to do it because you're so busy actually just casting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're able to do all of that and we'll see for how long that is. But as of right now, we have been able to keep everybody on payroll, which I'm really thankful for because I love my staff so much. They work so hard. I was most worried about them, you know, not myself, but about them. So it's been interesting. I'm sure you've seen all of the white paper coming across the desks. Uh, you've got IATSE protocols and the AMP TP's massive, like 22 page doc that like producers are calling for smaller crews. And then like the guild is defending larger crews. Like, no, you can't skimp in the name of safety. Like you can't just like wear a bunch of hats. That's not how it works. But here's the thing, like across the board, the one thing I keep hearing over and over again is that it'll be up to the actors to create the baseline of that comfort on set. You know, they're the ones without PPE, et cetera, and that background actors are going to be drastically reduced. So how is central casting like handling returning to work and like what is the survival plan? That's such a great question. And that's certainly front of mind with us. It's it's so funny because in the beginning, it was like, we're going to eliminate all of these groups, including all of the background actors. And and now we're, they've, they've come to a place where they realize you can't not have them. If you're going to leave a residence, <laughs> you're going to need people. Otherwise, it looks really weird. It looks like Vanilla Sky, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we've already done that. I think the conversation now is, okay, we know we need to have background actors and their transitional work, right? Because they come in and out. Yeah. How can we do that safely? Do I think there's going to be massive crowd scenes? There weren't a lot of those anyway. So I'm, I'm, it doesn't surprise me that they're not going to have those, but they still need the restaurant scenes. They still need the street scenes. Um, I think they're going to move cautiously. So I think it'll be fewer people to begin with. And then just applying all the protocols that you're reading and in, in all of the, the places that you saw, whether it's the white paper, or all the documents, and we're waiting on what the unions are going to say, because the unions will have a point of view on it as well. Mm-hmm. But it, it's what everybody's, everyone's talking about. And I respect that. And I totally agree with that because I want the background actors to be safe too. Hopefully we can all sort of live by this edict and these standards and mm-hmm get back to work and make that happen. I mean, you see people going to grocery stores and now going to the hair salons and mm-hmm. and all of that, and they're being responsible. So I'm hoping if we all do that, it'll be a slow progression. How slow do you think? 
Like, is there like a month or a date that you've kind of heard tossed around? Is there kind of a general consensus at all? It's geographically specific. Oh, interesting. Right. So you've got LA and New York that's super condensed. And I think the amount of cases there is much higher than say in like Atlanta or um, overseas in in some places. Australia has a low amount. Hawaii has a, a lower amount. So I don't think it's going to be the same across the globe. I think it's going to be different. And what those months are, we nobody knows. Everyone's sort of planning and then adjusting and planning and adjusting because it's going to take the governors to lift restrictions and your local city legislature to do that, the union. So there's a lot of people that have to agree to this. Mm. Including actors. <laughs> you yeah, know, they're gonna yeah, have to yeah. agree to it too. Yeah. So I think it's going to vary. There is no one month that everyone's going to go back to work. I guess that means that you would end up moving a lot of those productions to those earlier opened states, I'm guessing. I don't know. And then like those background actors will have a chance. (laughs) Maybe the studios are considering that. It's it's hard to travel everyone because, Mm -hmm. you know, travel gets tricky. So they I'm sure they're weighing all of that out. but yeah, it's no one. No one knows the answer to that. If you know it, we'd love to know. <laughs> I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you hear it through these interviews, call me because I would love to know that answer. <laughs> well, you know, I've been asking it to every single guest, and every single guest has like at the very beginning it was like, oh, October. You know, October is the one that we've been you know kind of hearing swirling around, and then you know I hear again from like Jason. Uh, No, it's actually, you know, this is not going to be solved in a few months. And then I hear from Matt every single month out of the year. So I'm just like, well, I don't know, maybe Jennifer knows. (laughs) Everybody is in the same basket. I mean, there's not really much that can be done. But like in general, COVID could be seen as more of a catalyst, but things were already kind of changing in the industry. You have like the streaming service and then you have this crazy ILM technology with stagecraft. And then you have um, a lot more VFX going. Uh, There's a lot more of a presence of like digitally putting in background actors and stuff. So has the landscape of your industry really changed since you've, you know, started and do you see it continuing down that path? I have seen some change. So back in the stone age, when I started, (laughs) (laughs) we used to actually cast thousands and thousands of people in a stadium scene or a concert scene. Yeah. You know, um, and then that was replaced with tiling, which, you know, I'm conscious that this is an educational platform. So I'm, I believe they would know what tiling is, right? So you have a group of, of, background actors, and then you just duplicate it around to create a stadium scene. So that's been going on for a long time. So those days of like 3000 extras are gone. Yeah. They've been gone for a long time, you know, and then there was some, there was a moment in time when they were trying to do like blow up dolls with like clothes on, (laughs) (laughs) but it was so bad. It was so bad, you know, because like the wind would blow and they would all just sort of (laughs) You know, it, was like, it was like a really unnatural thing. So that only lasted a, a little while. But they've been doing the tiling of the big crowd scenes. I think when you sort of, when you like go into more intimate settings, like a bar or a restaurant or a school or anything, it's really hard to do that and make it look realistic. Mm-hmm. And the actors don't like it because they want to act with an environment around them. It's an option for sure. It's cost prohibitive. It's very expensive to do. 
and you have to do it right. And the actor has to be um, comfortable acting in those scenes. So um, is there some future down the line that that's the case? Maybe I've been hearing this for a long time, mm. but I think when, when you're, when you're sort of going out in sort of the bigger scenes, you can, you can pull it off more easily. But I think when you go down into just setting a scene or painting a picture and, and getting that mood and that vibe that you need actual real people to respond to and they respond to the actor yeah. and, and what's happening. Um, it gets a little trickier there. It makes perfect sense. So you would say that it's actually kind of stayed fairly consistent then over the years? Yeah. Aside from those blowout dolls. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, I word, that's fantastic. Yeah. All right, so we have some listener questions from our Insta and Facebook stories and Twitter. Shameless plug, if you want to ask your questions to future guests, our handle on Insta and Twitter is Collab Inc. Podcast. There seems to be a, uh, a lot, so we yeah, we might have to go rapid fire. I don't know. But All right, I'm ready. <laughs> set etiquette for background actors. When is it okay to break the rules? Never say never, right? But you have to be really mindful of your surroundings. So some actors do not want to be spoken to at all because they're doing their craft. Some get super interactive with the background. And I think you have to really read the room and read the situation and really listen to what the AD or the producers or the PA are instructing you to do. Yeah, that's a touchy one. I, I would, <laughs> I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> got it. Got it. How does working as a background actor impact your ability to work in other roles in filmmaking? Is it a bad idea for people who want to work in other departments to work background? So in, in other departments, absolutely not. So many people come to us and they don't, they don't want to be an actor, but they're like, I don't know what I want to be. So I'm going to go and be, do, be a background actor. It's the best education you're going to get because you are on set and observing every single role. So mm. you want to do hair and makeup. You want to be a grip. You want to be a producer. You want, you know, all of those people you're observing in real time and understanding. The one time that it's a matter of opinion, if you want to do principal work, should you do background work? Yeah. My opinion, there's a, there's a lot of very famous people that started doing background work with us. So if that's an example of whether you should or shouldn't, you can use that uh, and make that decision yourself. But again, just from learning, you can go and take acting classes and, you know, your schooling, but you'll never learn what you're going to learn unless you're on set really sort of watching the actor. And, and there have been several stories that I've heard of that an actor is well-trained and they auditioned well because they've been taught to do that. And then they get to set and they have no idea what to do. The blocking they don't know, the lighting they don't know, they, the conversation they don't know. So I would say, you know, background acting can be very, very useful, both if you want to be an actor and if you just want to figure out what you want to be or just if you don't even want to be in the industry and it's like supplemental income. So I know that a lot of my friends ended up doing that too. Like, Hey, yeah, well, we're not doing anything this week. Let's uh, go down to central casting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's easy money. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone keep working in background long-term or do most people just do it for a few months or years? There's a lot of people that have been doing it for decades, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. So the Screen Actors Guild, which is now SAG-AFTRA, does have um, membership with the background actors. 
So many people will uh, get their qualification to be in the union and make a career of it and do a pretty decent job because, you know, then they have their benefits, they get a pension. It works out very well for them. Wow. I had no idea that you could get in SAG (laughs) doing, doing background. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So SAG doesn't govern the entire country theatrically for background actors. They do commercially, but for theatrically, which means film and television. Mm-hmm. And streaming, of course. The, uh, there's only certain jurisdictions that you can qualify, you know, like LA, New York are the big ones, Hawaii, Las Vegas, San Francisco. So there's a few key places that, yeah, you can qualify to join the union and actually have it be a really a decent career if you really, you know, you've got to be in a city that has a lot of work and have a general enough look to work a lot, gotcha. to, you know, to be very versatile. Yeah. Yeah. Casting role you're most proud of. Oh, and there's so many interesting ones. I would say, now you guys are probably too young to know this, but you probably, you might've learned it in, in, in film school, um, the film Memoirs of a Geisha. Oh my word. Yes. Good. Okay, good. So I did the background casting on that. Nice. And so all of those scenes in Japan are actually here in the Valley of Los Angeles. What? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we created a whole village, like in the round, like a real working with the river and everything. Oh my word. I would have, yeah, I would have had no idea. Yeah. Well, thank you. (laughs) I just pulled it off. (laughs) (laughs) So you work with a lot of different studios is there some nuance in the differences between the studios like how they work is it all pretty much the same is it just kind of dependent on the person that you're working with you know different studios have different genres right so you'll have like disney has very specific brand and what they put out um and you know then there's paramount and sony and warner brothers and netflix right and there's this baseline where everybody does things a certain way and then there's then there's what their brand does which is, uh-huh. which is very interesting, you know? So I think there's differences amongst them. Um, they're subtle, but pretty much we're all kind of like going for the, the same thing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Cool. Do you actually need people to come out or are you inundated as is? As an Angelino, um, I stopped myself from getting involved because I figured that you already had enough. Is that accurate? That's not accurate. When the office was open, we, you know, we take on people every week, all week. So, and you never know what productions and what the creative minds are going to create. So we, you know, we always need new people to have those resources mm. to be able to fill those calls. Cause you know, we have no, we have no idea what's going to come at us. Yeah. How often do extras from central casting get pulled into speaking roles? Often actually quite, quite often, you know, they, they, they plan the whole scene and they set that up. And then oftentimes the director will be like, okay, something's weird here. This person should be saying something, you know, and they'll throw a line or two at people that happens actually quite often, often more often than you think, you know, I would say weekly, you know, it's oh wow, very often. Yeah. Yeah. If people get more familiar with you, cause there's a lot of people that work on all the shows and they get friendly and they're like, oh, you know, there's this one role that I know they're casting for. Are you in the union? And if you are, go go audition for it. So you're sort of in the know there as well. So so it can lead oftentimes to speaking role. Oh, that's really fantastic. Is being an extra worth the money? 
Huh. Isn't that a relative question? When it comes to money, the value of money is different for people, everybody. That's hard to say. That's a, that's a personal question. It depends on what, you know, if some people need it, it's very valuable. And honestly, if they have aims to get on set, period, and to get educated, that's like you're getting paid to learn. So, I mean, 100%. it makes it makes sense to me. Uh, when showing up for casting, should you be your authentic self or show the average you while bringing photos of how you look with different clothes or hair? I'm a girl next door type, but I have a 50s era appropriate garb as well as the ability to look convincingly goth or vixen. Wow. Bring that person on. <laughs> she moved. That's the thing. She moved. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say when you come in, cause we do take a real photo of people, uh-huh. I would say come in your most authentic self. And then we know people can play many different roles. That's, that's part of what we do. And if you have photos of you that look all these different ways, add those to your profile, right? So not just the one photo that we're looking at, you can add more photos to all of these different looks that you have. But I would come your most authentic self. And then we we always know to look through all the photos to see what the what all the different looks they have. What kind and color of car should you buy if you want to work in background? That is a very insider question, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that person's work doing background. So most sets don't want cars that are that are red, white, or black. So if you have a red, white, or black car, you should probably, and you want to use it. Avoid red, white, or black. Everybody gets silver. We've got a million silver. Go for some other green or blue or something like that. <laughs> that I know, I that's have, a real specific question. Yeah, I would have never guessed. I would have never, ever guessed to uh, ask that specific question. That's pretty cool. So what question should I have asked you? That's, that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> that's a question you shouldn't have asked me, no. <laughs> I would say, you know, and I think you're going for like what additional information, right? So if, if you're somebody wanting to get into the industry, just sort of in general, relationships, 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 right? And, and don't burn bridges as best you can. Whoever you're working for now or whoever's working, you know, you're working for now might be, you know, moving up the ladder and and you never know where everybody's journey goes so often there's jason and matt birch and the other people that have been on this podcast we were all just kids in the beginning you know like scrapping around hollywood and you know and our careers grew and it's wonderful to see so it's important is relationships and in terms of acting specifically it's the numbers game say yes in my opinion, and I might be biased, doing background work is super, super helpful to any career in the industry because it'll really give you the education that we spoke about and you get paid a little bit of money to do it and you'll, you're going to make so many contacts and connections as long as you're doing the right thing. And, you know, the old saying, it doesn't matter if you're scrubbing floors or running a company, do the very, very best you can do. Get noticed and appreciated and recognized and, and good things will come from that. And that that's also from background work, uh, kindness, effort, focus, relationships. All of those things are going to serve you very well in our industry. That's awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for your time and your insight. We really appreciated having you on here. <laughs> thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this interview, follow us right here and check out more episodes at media.collabinc.org, as well as fill out that feedback survey for a chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card. If you have comments or know someone who would be a great guest on our show, send in your suggestions to tanya at collabinc.org. Jen, thanks so much for your time. Be well and God bless. We'll see you next time on There to Hear.